morning, MSUB students, and welcome back to the Retort Podcast, the first episode of the new year. How was your guys' breaks? Not too bad. Not too bad. I got to enjoy Christmas with the family, and actually, I didn't really leave. I I hanged around here for Christmas time. Oh, you didn't go home? No, I didn't. But I I got to call all all my... important family members some of them are not important (laughs) how was new mexico yeah it's pretty good actually got to go home toasty yeah it was cold raining really yeah it rained a lot Uh, it wasn't too bad right on i went to mexico so i win (laughs) oh nice when it comes to breaks i win yeah we went for about a week to uh cancun and um it was it was really it was beautiful. It was awesome. I'm definitely going back. So, in COVID news, according to Riverstone, the new Omicron uh, variant is actually it's not so much respiratory issues like Delta and the OG COVID were. Mm-hmm. It's more of like uh, attacks your cardiovascular system, which is kind of spooky when you use it in layman's terms like that. But it's actually much easier to treat, um, which is good news. Uh, Riverstone believes that we are a few weeks behind in our data, which is likely. We have a positive, Billings, Yellowstone County has a positivity rate of more than 20%, so 20% of people who test are positive. Um, Omicron presents first off as a sore throat. So if you have a sore throat, you know, do your due diligence, stay home. If you need to go somewhere, wear your mask, wash your hands, all that good stuff. Hospitals are struggling. They are overwhelmed um, with patients, COVID patients. And so, um, I mean, do your part. If not for yourself, if not for your neighbors, do your part for our healthcare workers. Um, be vigilant. I know we're all sick of this. But yeah. it's... At this point, it's annoying. But yeah, like, it is very gotta, annoying. I can agree more. We still got to truck on. Exactly. Like, think wash of, your hands. Think of the nurses. Think of the doctors that just absolutely overflowed with patients right now. Make sure to keep kindness in your heart and COVID out of your lungs. Amen. Please. That's our, uh, that's, <laughs> that's our new motto for the show. <laughs> yep. Okay. So for those of you interested, I just wanted to announce that this upcoming Friday, the 4th um, of February, right, um, down at Cecil Hall, actually, no, um, this event will take place in Petro Hall, just uh, in Petro Theater downstairs. Um, and what's going on on the 4th is the music department is hosting a jazz festival, which is a huge event that, that is hosted by the music department every year. The college jazz ensemble will be performing from 7 to like 8.30 or 9, and uh, just be aware that the whole day is a jazz festival for a bunch of high school bands to come and perform and be adjudicated, um, but this uh, final concert on this, uh, at 7 p.m. is welcome for everyone to come, and we have some huge guests. Will you be performing? I will be personally performing will you be playing at or- that event. Your tuba? Is that what you play? I won't be playing tuba, but I will be playing trombone. Trombone. Yes. 
Right on. It'll be pretty. It'll be pretty sweet. We have some. We have two guest stars. They'll be showing up. Um, one of which is an amazing saxophone player, Camille Thurman, and uh, <clears throat> she's also an incredible vocalist. Um, and she plays tenor saxophone. Um, she's played with a bunch of big names, Wynton Marsalis and uh, Lincoln Center Jazz Orchestra. And uh, we also have a trumpet player by the name of Jamie Havorka, um, who is outstanding. He's a studio trumpeter uh, from Los Angeles, and he's also played with a big uh, number of big names, Arturo Sandoval, uh, Susan Tedeschi, Maynard Ferguson, George Benson, a lot of people like that. Jennifer Lopez, even. So those of you who are interested... You're a fan of J-Lo. Come, come check it out. There's a, lot of, there's a lot of good stuff happening that night. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of fun. I'll have to attend. Yeah. It'll be sweet. All right. So in the past, we've done a couple stories where Jordan has brought us really entertaining stories, and we react to them, sort of. So uh, we thought that we'd make it into a little segment... And as of right now, it's called Stories with Jay. But if anybody in the audience has a better name, we are I, open to suggestions. This is actually not something that I told you guys, but I've made a little jingle. You made a jingle for Stories with Jay? I made a little Jay? jingle. Ooh. I can't, so I can't have you listen to it right now because I need to get it onto my phone from another computer. Mm-hmm. But I'll put it in when you email I'll, it to me. I'll put it into this episode. Yeah, I'll send it to you. So. And hopefully it's good. Yeah, hopefully it's not terrible. Even if it is terrible, Ben, I'll put it in. It's just, just simple. You. you should use it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Stories with Jordan. All right, so we got you, got two interesting stories today. Um, um, so for this, and these these stories, like I don't know how I came up with them. I just just Google run. I just Google them, and all of a sudden I just like read the stories, and I just find it find it very interesting, and I hope. They are hope, very interesting. And I hope the audience likes likes these interesting stories. So the first story is is Chiron Horman, the largest manhunt in Oregon history. So on so on February on Friday, Friday, June fourth, twenty ten, seven year old second grade second grader Chiron Horman arrived at Portland Skyline Elementary School. It was it was the day of science fair and he was setting up his project to help with the help of his stepmother. Through through a fellow student Reported seeing him at 9 a.m. near the school's north-south entrance. Hormone did not attend any classes that day, nor did he board the bus later to come home. He was never been seen by anyone ever since. How old was he? Uh, seven years old. And he was attending his science fair? Yeah. Do you have any idea what his project was? Uh, honestly, you don't know. Uh, on the day of Kyle Hormone's disappearance, he was wearing a CSI t-shirt bearing the logo from the from the procedural show. Horman's stepmother, Terry Morton, was the last family member to see the boy alive as he walked down the school's hallway, hallway to, class, to, class, to class that Friday morning, but, but she failed a polygraph test on the, day, on the day's events twice, and she has since divorced Horman's father and, and has been named a subject by, suspect by the court department, documents, and her lawyers. The Oregon slash Oregon Live recreated a timeline of the events on June 4th. Skyline Elementary School opened at 8 
a.m. so students and parents could tour the science fair. Terry and Kyron Horma arrived arrived shortly after the school opened at eight at eight ten a.m. Skyline PTA president Gina Zimmerman arrived and saw saw Kyron with his stepmother in front of his exhibit. Around ten a.m., Kyron's homeroom teacher reported Kyron absent. At three thirty p.m., Kyron went went to meet meet him at school. They discovered discovered that he had been absent from the school all day, all day. Then, or at three at three forty six p.m., Susan Hall called nine one one to report Kyron was missing. Approximately forty five minutes later, officers of officers from Port Portland Police Bureau and and Mot Motown County Sheriff's Office arrived simultaneously at the school and Kyron's home. That's terrible because, like, the first couple hours of a missing children's case are the most important, and he has been missing all day at this point. Like, they thought he was at school. He wasn't at school. And, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really terrifying. Yeah, that's like, really Every parent's worst nightmare. The longer you wait, the worse it gets. Yep. Yeah. And uh, at 5.30 p- at at p.m., a broadcast was sent to phones of parents in Portland Public Schools that read Kyron Horman did not arrive at home today. Then around 8.15 p.m., the, the first, first search and rescue teams arrived at Skyline, at, at Skyline and, and Lieutenant Mary Lindstrand arrived and met with, met with those, those present as she began emailing a photo, photo of Kyron to the local media. As all the search and rescue crew are looking for Kyron, a tipster called the officers to check the train tunnel near the school. The reporter, the caller reported that sometimes kids play in, play in there and want you to make 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 sure someone has checked that. Then, at, then on Saturday, June June fifth, June fifth at nine nine eight a.m., the Associated Press re- re- received its first official notification. That Kyron was missing via an email with the subject line. Sheriff, Sheriff Office continues search for seven-year-old Kyron Mor- Kyron Horman. Then at noon, the sheriff's spokesperson reported to the press that Kyron is still missing. It's still a missing case and not a criminal investigation for the first ten days. Then two news two news conferences were held that day: one at 4 p.m. and one at 8 p.m. Authorities announced that the FBI and the National Guard had joined the effort. At the heart of the search for Kyron Horman is the relationship between his parents and stepmother. His bio- biological parents, Kane Horman and Des- Desiree Young, divorced when the boy was small and the two shared custody until Desiree became severely ill with the kidney problems. She was forced to move back with her parents and gave full custody to Horman, full custody of Horman to Kane until she was fully recovered. During the investigation, the police uncovered emails between Terry Moulton and her friends expressing severe hatred for Kyron. She blames a lot of maternal problems between Kane and herself on Kyron. Is this, sorry, is this the stepmom? Yeah, and between, yeah, yeah, it was the stepmom. So the stepmom was texting Kyron's dad, talking about how much she hated him? No, it was between, it was between her stepmom and her friends. They were oh. communicating with emails. That's a little suspicious. Yeah, yeah. And as in, as in quotations for like one of the emails, she blamed a lot of maternal problems between, between Kane and, between Kane and herself on Kyron, as there was a huge connection, con- contention in, in their marriage, and she had expressed in great detail for hatred for Kyron. Young said, 
I now believe without a shadow of a doubt that not only is she capable of hurting Chiron, that it's clear that she could have hurt him in the worst possible way. That's terrible. Like, being a seven-year-old kid and being blamed for marriage problems between, like, you knew when you married that man that he had a son. You signed up for that. Like, if you didn't want to assume that mother role, you shouldn't have married a guy with a son. Like, yeah. Like, you have so much time to, like, know, kids get ready stupid. for that. Like, you know Kyron was probably, like, he could feel the hatred from his mom, his stepmom. Like, talk about an evil stepmother, honestly. Yeah, you kind of have to be, like, you have to not be selfish in that situation and think about the kid. Well, like, especially if you married his father. Like, what exactly. do you think's going to happen? Yeah. It's not his fault for your marriage issues. He's seven. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's pretty messed up, honestly. Blaming blaming a blaming kid on marriage marriageable marriageable problems, but initially there is no genuine interest in in Morton as Morton as a suspect in in Karen Karen Horan's disappearance. Sources indicated a probable of deception during her first polygraph and gasping in the timeline she gave gave for the day of Horan's vanished. At ten at ten twenty three p.m. on June fifth, a Facebook page was created for the supporters of Chiron and his family. As page re- page still remains active to this day, the Facebook page is missing Chiron Horman, and was last updated on November thirtieth, twenty twenty one. It is still missing with with fifty thousand dollar reward for any information that leads to Chiron's home. To this day, the Motmahan County Sheriff's Office is still actively searching any leads in this case. But without a breakthrough, the authorities are still no closer to solving Karen Horman's mysterious disappearance, even after more than a decade. That's so terrible. Where was this again? In in or in Oregon. And when did he go missing? Uh, June fourth, twenty two thousand ten. So he's been missing for almost twelve years now. Yeah, at least a decade. Is he presumed dead? I no. think after five years of being missing, they presume people dead. I don't know if it's different for kids. Yeah, I'm not quite sure, but but according to what I read, the, the Martin County Sheriff's Office is still actively searching for the kid as well. Mm-hmm. And the Facebook page is still active, honestly. Is your next story less depressing? Yes, it's... Okay. All right, so... so on a less depressing <laughs> note. So on a less depressing note... I got a crazy World War Two story that I yeah, that's my favorite World War. that is honestly the cra- probably the crazy story I've read during World War Two, and it starts out with um, Emil Koeven, Koeven, a Finnish soldier who who survived survived an overdose on meth. So in in 1944, Finnish soldier Emil Koeven was separated from his unit and survived. For weeks inside the Arctic Circle without food or shelter, fueled by a dose of a large, large amount of meth enough for 30 men. During World War II, Finland's, Finland sta- staved off of a Soviet invasion allied with, allied with Germ- Germany to invade the Soviet Union and fought against Germany. And soldier Emil Koyven meth field survival source is breaking, breathtakingly embodies, embodies that chaos. So, homeboy is stuck. In where? Finland? Yes. And he's surviving solely off enough meth for 30 men. Yes. How did he live? And he has no other supplies. 
he doesn't have food or mm, just wait for that. <laughs> so, <Shut> up, <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sorry. So while while fleeing a fleeing, while while fleeing a Soviet ambush, Kolyvan took a near lethal overdose of methamphetamine. The drug helped Kolyvan cover hundreds of miles of ground, but that nearly killed him in the process. Heavily snow covered the ground in Lap, Lap, Lapland on March 8, 18, 1944. Finnish soldiers fought off their country for over four years of nearly uninterrupted war. One Finnish ski patrol found, found itself surrounded by Soviets deep in behind enemy lines. As gunfire broke the signs, men scrambled for safety. The ambush turned into a race for survival as Finnish, Finnish troops fell in skis. Emil Koivan led the Finnish skiers through the deep, untouched snow. Koivan followed soldiers, relied on him to cut the tracks for the rest of the troops to glide across. The grueling, grueling work quickly drained Koivan until, until he remembered the pills package in his pocket. Back in Finland, the squad re received a ration of Pertivan. The tablets would give soldiers a burst of energy. Commanders pr promised Koivan. Koivan initially resisted the drug, but his men were in desperate circumstances, and Koivan reached in his pocket and pulled out the stimulants. Still fleeing the Soviets pressing through the snow, Koivan struggled to pop a single pill in his mouth. The thick mittens meant to protect him from the Arctic condition made it impossible to take a single dose of Koivan. It just so happened that he carried the entire supply for, for his entire squad. Rather than stop to take the recommended dosage, um, Emil drowned 30 pills of pure methamphetamine. Instantly, Koivan began skiing much faster. His squad, ma his squad matched his speed initially, and the Soviets fell back, unable to keep up with this new speed. Then Koivan's vision went blurry and lost consciousness, but he did not stop skiing. In a blackout state, Koivan continued to cut through the snow. That's metal. And the next day, the soldiers' awareness returned. Koivan discovered that he had crossed over 100 kilometers. He was also completely alone. Emil Koivan had covered 100 kilometers of snow while high on meth. And when he re regained consciousness, he was still under the influence. His squad had fallen, fallen back, leaving him alone. He did not bode, and that did not bode well for Koivan, who did not have no ammunition or food. All he, all he had was skis and and meth-induced bursts of energy. He, he learned soon soon that the Soviets had not given up the chase. During his trip, Kordovan ran into Soviet troops several times. He also skied over a landmine. By chance, the explosion, exploding landmine started a fire. Somehow, Kordovan survived the explosion of fire. Yes, somehow. Is, there's so many things that should have killed this man. Like, and somehow, he's just chilling. And still, the landmine left Koivan injured and, and delirious. He lay on the ground, drifting in and out of consciousness, waiting for help. Unless he, he moved soon, freezing temperatures would kill Koivan. Fueled by meth, the soldier got back on his sleeve and kept back on his skis and kept going. As the days passed, Koivan's appetite slowly returned, while the mega dose of meth had suppressed the soldier's desire to eat hunger pains and eventually brought, in, brought his situation in stark relief. Winter in Lapna left few options for soldiers. He got on pine buds to, to stay off of hunger. One day, Koivan managed to catch a Siberian jay and ate it raw. A what? Siberian jay. Is that like a bird? Yes, it's a real tiny bird. And somehow, Emil Kodavan survived the sub-zero temperatures, the Soviet, Soviet patrols, and, and a meth overdose. He eventually reached the Finnish territory where comp, compa, 
compatriots rushed to the soldier. At the end of the ordeal, Cordovan had crossed four, over 400 kilometers of territory, which is 250 miles. His weight dropped to only 94 pounds. His heart rate remained shockingly, shockingly 200 beats per minute. <laughs> 94 pounds. Okay, so my heart rate, my resting heart rate is anywhere from 55 to 65, I'd yeah. say. And 200, like 55 beats per minute to 65 beats per minute. 200 beats per minute is absolutely insane. That sounds like really dangerous. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and despite all this, Emil, Emil Cordovan was the only soldier to, of, to survive an overdose of meth behind enemy lines. Not only that, Cordovan survived the war and lived up into his 70s. What a guy. Sounds like... Uh, yeah, what a guy. We need to hang out with this man. <laughs> Can we get him on the uh, on the cast? Do a Ouija board set? Yeah. Mm. Okay, I just did my heart rate, and it's 70 beats per minute right now. Probably so, because of this story. It's yeah, got, no got a little exciting. <laughs> got my uh, heart rate up. But, I mean... That's a lot it, to go through that is. for one person. And he wasn't even conscious for, like, 50% of it, so... It's, Good for him. It's truly surprising how he I made mean, it through. Yeah, because usually <laughs> when you think of meth, you think of, you know, death. Yeah. But I guess meth is the only thing that kept this man alive. I mean. I mean, he had enough for like 30 people. How did he not I don't die? even, I There's can't so even quantify that. how much that is. There's so many points in that story where I was like, hey, how did he not die? How did he not die? He must have had... All the good karma, a freaking guardian <laughs> angel on his shoulder. Yep. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Well, thank you, Jordan. What a guy. For those enlightening stories. Mm-hmm. Never fails. We'll be better people with those stories. Yeah, now we know the true... The limitations. What did you say on Monday? Meth. meth is a hell of a drug. Yep. <laughs> and this is clearly pure meth that was made in the pharmacy, so this oh. is like no... So not, it's, not, it's not any of that street stuff. No, it's like straight pure meth oh, being wow. in a pharmacy. Dang. So for our main story, we thought we'd take a behind-the-scenes look at what we do here at the Retort Podcast, how uh, we are able to get content out every Monday, and um, what that kind of looks like. So it all begins on Monday. Monday. It ends on Monday and begins on Monday. Yeah. Because we post the previous week's episode on Monday. But we also talk about this week's episode on Monday. On Monday. So the day this goes out, we're going to post this. But we're also going to talk about the next episode and plan it. And that way we have, and we record on Fridays. So we have from Monday to Friday to each, Jordan has that time to gather his stories. We have the time to research. I have the time to go to uh, COVID meetings and stuff. Mm -hmm. So that is what's worked best for us. Um, obviously, we've had to move some days, some times around with changing schedules and stuff, but we're all pretty adaptable, mm-hmm. and we all make it work. So that's that's what our schedule looks like. Yeah, so far we're consistent, Yes. which is what we need. Indeed, indeed. Yep. And then I edit, so we record on Fridays and we post on Mondays, so I edit over the weekend. And editing can take anywhere from, uh, it's taken me about, the longest it's ever taken me is four hours. And that's still not very bad. Mm-hmm. Um, that was on the one Just, episode where we talked for forever because yeah, 
Yeah. Honestly, for ed- editing is probably the longest, the it most time-consuming portion it of is. creating and the most frustrating content and the most frustrating. For yeah, sure. yeah. Um, Adobe, we use Adobe, and we get access to it through MSU Billings, and that whole process of a- of activating our Adobe account. Do you guys remember how horrible that was? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it took I had forever. To go to IT and then come back here and then go back to IT. So time-consuming. It was just. It was annoying. a whole process. And um, Adobe is just a pain in the butt sometimes in general, too. Um, yeah, I would say it's not necessarily hard. Like, it's something I enjoy doing. It's fun, but it's just really time-consuming. Yeah, it's just time-consuming. Before, but before you edit the videos, um, yeah. so all our thing on Fridays when we record, we we have a little device that, um, we plug our, all our microphones into, and it plugs into a computer. And so we record with a very specific, like, we, it's not really equipment that, like, everyone will have. Like, you yeah. need to really be specific with, with what equipment you need. But we have it anyways. So we have this whole technical setup, and when it gets recorded, and, and we record into uh if any of you know what a digital audio workstation is, we record into one of those. And then with that, I take the audio, the raw audio that we take, and I, um, and I do some pre-audio treatment in the digital audio workstation. There's a, if any of you know, uh, most digital audio workstations have plugins that you use to edit and transform audio. And so... It makes it sound nice. Yeah, I do that to clean up the audio to 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 try and minimize any like unnecessary background noise and make it clean and sound like sound like we're you know kind of what you would expect a Mm -hmm. professional podcast to sound like. Professional wink. Yeah, wink, wink, wonk, wank. But, yeah, so the, the audio gets treated, and then I send it to Abria, and she does all, all the cuts and inserts, and she puts in the music at the beginning and the end and, and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely a process. There's a lot of steps to it. But once we get in the groove of things, we work pretty cohesively, I'd say. We do, we do a good job. Um, one time, we accidentally uploaded an episode without any audio. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we left it That up. was interesting. That was, I mean, it's just trial and error. Honestly, this whole process is just trial and error. And what happened is some files got moved around. And with Adobe, like, if you move a file or rename it. It freaks you, out. It does. It, like, completely. Like, what you, the heck happened? Exactly. It can't find it. It can't find the original audio. So that uh, happened. And when we uploaded it, it was just the intro music. And then nothing for like 45 minutes and then the and outro, the outro music. music so uh thankfully that was an easy fix i was able to just go in and find the original audio and like show adobe like here it is there's the audio it's like, kind of unexpected though yeah it's like just a little oopsie weird that it did that yeah it's a pain it can be a pain but i'm getting better and better at it but um yeah one of my friends texted me and was like there's no sound in the podcast. I was like, what? There's nothing. I can't hear anything. So we were able to just 
uh, edit the original post so we didn't have to delete it to delete it and repost again. I think that happened with the Halloween episode where we talked about our spooky stories. That's the one that it was happened it that on. One? Yeah. Yeah, I think it was that, that episode. Yeah. It's a lot of... Well, now we know. One. So uh, it won't happen again, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah. And if it does, we know how to fix it. So yep. bear with us. Yep, yep. So when I applied to be the editor-in-chief, I don't really know what I expected. Um, at first, I didn't know that you guys applied. I had no idea. I thought it was just me. Mm-hmm. And I thought I was going to be all by myself. And <laughs> then um, I found out that, well, there re- was originally another applicant, but he had to. Uh, he had other things in life that yeah. got in the way, exactly, unfortunately. Exactly. Mm. Which we have no hard feelings against him. Yeah, it is um, what it is. Miss him dearly. Uh, I, I, had, I thought I was just going to be by myself. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know. Uh, what to do. I didn't, I didn't even know if I was going to make it a podcast. I thought I was just going to make it a blog because there's no way I could do it by myself. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not Olivia. Olivia's way cooler than me. <laughs> but, um, thank well, God I have... so many moving parts. Yes. To, like, yeah. Yes. Like, there's so much stuff Ben does that I have no idea. I'm like, Ben, fix it. You got it. <laughs> um, but I thought I was going to have a lot of time to host events, and do fun stuff around campus, and um, try all these different things. But it's actually, it's a lot more work than I was thinking it was going to be. Honestly, I did not expect it to be, I mean, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it very much. I'm definitely glad that I'm in this position. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did not expect it to be this much work. I don't have any time to really host any events like I was planning to. Yeah, and and if we did, it would require a lot of planning ahead. Exactly. And even with the three of us, there's still only three of us. Like, (laughs) that's still not, like, a giant club, you know? Yeah, I think... I mean, we have two other members. What was the original plan that we had? Did we just plan to have two hosts originally? That's... So there's... Yes. Yeah. There's only three paid positions. So there's the Mm -hmm. editor-in-chief... The productions manager, which is Ben, and then there's a podcast host, which is Jordan. Yeah. And um, we had f- four applicants, so we were just going to have two podcast hosts and mm-hmm. uh, have them split the hours, mm-hmm. which would have sucked. So it all worked out in yeah. the end. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I don't know. What were you guys expecting when you... Honestly, heard? I expected... Uh, well, when I applied, I didn't know what I was going to be because I applied. I, I technically applied for all positions mm-hmm. uh, just because I, f- I felt like I could have adapted to each position. Um, but I was kind of expecting, like, to have a setup where, like... An actual setup. Uh, well, actually, I don't remember if I knew there were going to be two potential hosts when yeah, nobody I applied. knew that that was a decision that was made the day everybody we, was we had one initial meeting with like a group consisting of more people than us mm-hmm. with um, olivia with olivia and, and the president and vice president of student senate yeah we had that one initial meeting and that's when i discovered there was going to be two hosts mm-hmm. so i was like okay Two of us will probably be working in the background doing all the technical stuff, and we'll just have the two hosts. Mm-hmm. They'll pretty that's much do the show. Too. So that's that's that was what I was expecting. But I guess when I applied, I expected 
some situation similar to this. Mm-hmm. I like this. I wouldn't, I don't know. I think this works. Yeah, yeah. I think it's mm-hmm. a very good um, rhythm we have going, for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. What did you expect, Jordan? Well, so so I'm basically like the original member. I joined last year with with Olivia. Oh, you did. Yeah, that's right. That. Jordan, Jordan, so far is the original. Oh my goodness, of I had no group. idea. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was me, Olivia, and and it was like and we had like another editor, but but anyway, it was like three of us, three of us, and. I thought it was only Olivia. No, no, we had like original. Yeah, had like, I listened to the older episodes, and Jordan was. Jordan was. He's original. I didn't yeah. hear them. I didn't the ones that I listen to. Oh my goodness. <laughs> that one job. But but anyways. Not um, a true fan. I guess not. I'm, I'm a poser. <laughs> yeah, so so originally this the retorter was like originally like a campus newspaper as went around distrib- distributing newspapers. And that's what I was thinking. I was like, all right, so I'm gonna have to go around distributing newspapers. But but as soon as, as soon as I got the position, I found out it's gonna they're gonna change it to a whole podcast format. So I was like, all right, this seems pretty cool. I listened to a couple of po- podcasts. And it sounds pretty fun, fun and and basically, basically like when I first experienced it, I basically got to sit down, do some interviews with a couple of international students, and and of course, and of course, be able to expand on that. You do like, do the, like the whole COVID edition, COVID edition, and then the happiness edition, and now fast forward, now we got like two brand new members as well. Yeah, I guess I had no idea. Wow, I can't believe that never came up before that. You're the OG, Jordan. Yeah, yeah he really is. Yeah. We're, we're the new people. We are. We're the noobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, even though it wasn't what we were expecting, I think that we're all fairly satisfied with the way that things are turning out. And even better things are coming our way. We are planning on revamping the studio and um, really getting in the groove of what we want to do with this platform. Yeah, absolutely. There's, I can definitely look at this group and see it go further. Mm-hmm. Indeed. I, We're all very excited. Oh, yeah. This is just the beginning. Yeah, just the beginning, and we'll say that again in a year from now. Yes, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, that is all we have for you today, everybody. Welcome back. We are happy to be here. Um, Follow us on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and Facebook for updates. And we will see you next week. Bye-bye. And listen with curiosity. Speak with honesty. Act with integrity. The greatest problem we have with communication is we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. We listen with curiosity. We don't listen with the intent to reply. We listen to for what's behind the words. Roy T. Bennett, the light in the heart. Peace.